0: I directed Secretary Connolly to suspend temporarily the convertibility of the dollar into gold or other reserve assets.
1: Where's the gold? This is the Gold Newsletter podcast. Fergus Hodgson, host with my co host, Brian Lund, today. We're going to do a reflection on 2022 and looking ahead at 2023 with our editor and publisher, Brian London. If you want more precious metals, mining, economic freedom, please do go to goldnewsletter.com and subscribe. So Brian, as always, it's a privilege to do these shows and you're a mentor to me. I know you've put out a lot of, I mean, I follow the work of of the organization. There's been a ton go out this year. You know, I don't know how you do it sometimes. So do you wanna give the, the the highlight of this latest sort of you know, the blockbuster or the sort of the heavy newsletter that came out for December?
0: Yeah, you know, uh thank you Fergus. It's been a pleasure to ha- to be able to produce and host these podcasts. You and your team do an incredible job and we we run the gamut from uh monetary and 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 economic and libertarian theory through actual practical hands-on implicate implications and implementation of a lot of these theories and um I think it's just a wonderful blend of content for the audience. But yeah, this most recent issue of Gold Newsletter is our traditional year-end issue. Back when we had a print issue, it used to be a double issue, which was about thirty-two pages long and would include some excerpts from the recent New Orleans investment conference. More of we always had a couple of reporters sitting in the audience to kind of cap uh, capture the thrust of or the or uh, summarize some of the presentations. But a few years ago. Uh, not only did we go to all electronics, so we didn't have a specific uh, length limitation, but we also started paying for an outside service to uh, develop a transcript of the entire conference, or at least all, all of the general session presentations. And that's a monstrously large document, as you can imagine. It's over 300 pages long, once you get it all put together. From that, we excerpt a bunch for this year-end issue of Gold Newsletter, and it alone, with Uh, Kind of the regular year-ending issue, my comments on the markets, our coverage of dozens of junior mining companies, et cetera, plus the conference uh, excerpts ended up being, I think, 103 pages long, but a lot more excerpted from the conference. It's just an incredible compendium of investment intelligence from some of the top experts in the world today. Uh, So it's really the best value out there, I think, in, in investment publishing.
1: Yeah, well, I actually. I mean, fortunately, I got to be there this year. So after all this COVID mayhem, I got to got to be back there. And even when you're there, you do so much networking firsthand. You know, with with people, you're not always there listening to the presentations. So I will go back during this winter break or Christmas break, and and listen to a lot of the old presentations. So if people have not heard of the New Orleans Investment Conference, where have you been? It's just New Orleans, is it neworleansconference.com? Yeah, very simple. And there was a, there was a, there's always a mix there of more popular figures, more technical mining analysts. But, and this is, the, this is not exactly news to people who listen to the show, the big theme has been the inflation challenge, the Federal Reserve, and it's just enormous impact over public markets. And I must admit that anyone who follows his own portfolio is feeling this. So do you want to comment on when, if ever, this
0: influence will lessen? I would say never, <laughs> under at least as long <laughs> as the current monetary regime lasts. You know, one of the things I try to do and try to do in my presentation this year is point out the or really focus on the big picture. And going back to the early 1980s when Paul Volcker finally killed off inflation, you know, he wrote, he raised interest rates into the high teens to kill off inflation, and importantly, had to get it a couple of uh, basis points or a couple of points above the rate of inflation to actually do that. And ever since then, though, uh, the markets have been driven by central bank monetary policy. Every time there was a recession or even a potential recession, even though just a hiccup in the in economic growth, um, the Federal Reserve reacted with the same. Uh, policy. They lowered interest rates. Then, when that recession or slow period passed, they would try to normalize rates to get them back up to where they were before, but they were never able to get it past, say, the midpoint of the previous range. And if you plot that over time, which I do in my presentations, and mark the bottoms of interest rate cycles, then you see it just a steady stair step down, really to uh, the ground floor at zero interest rates. This episode we're living through right now, where the Fed is trying to normalize once again, is uh, the first time ever that they've been able to get rate, or the first time in that 40 that year period, where they've been able to get interest rates above the midpoint or above uh, the previous range. So they've gotten that uh, accomplished at least so far, but they're going to have severe repercussions. And the difference between today and then is that Paul Volcker had um, uh, federal debt at about 30 to 35% of GDP. Today, it's about 125 to 135% of GDP. So, uh, Unfortunately, Powell, as much as he would like to be Paul Volcker, as much as he idolizes him and would like to go down in history as the, the you know, a Paul Volcker, um, he just doesn't have the toolbox. He cannot do that because even at current uh, rate levels, interest rate levels, the the in, the debt service costs on the federal debt is soon going to exceed a trillion dollars a year. And I just think that's a huge problem. I I think it's really a roadblock in the Fed's uh, way.
1: I I tend to agree, Brian, that the j it's not necessarily his fault. The Federal Reserve over decades has dug itself into a hole. And it's having a very hard time getting out of that hole because we're still far above the targeted or sought after level of inflation. And yet people think it's being hawkish. And I've said, well, if it were hawkish, we'd have positive real rates. But we don't. So it's not really hawkish, but we we also have an era where the stock market is, in my view, de facto
0: subsidized by easy money. Would you characterize it in that way? Oh, absolutely. And it's not just the stock market; it's the bond market, it's commodities, it's precious metals. Everything is driven by the uh, Wall Street traders' perception. Every market is priced every day on Wall Street, and really hourly uh, on Wall Street. By the then reigning perception of what federal uh, interest rate, Federal Reserve interest rate policy may be, so if the tea leaves suddenly in, or or indicate a more dovish stance, then they buy across the board all asset classes. If the the tea leaves indicate a, a bit more hawkish atmosphere or going forward, then uh, they sell. Uh, every asset class. So everything, all the correlations are trended toward one. So in, in the past where you used to be able to, and it was highly recommended, you would have say a 60, 40, 70, 30 portfolio split bonds, um, stocks to bonds. And that would vary as you got older, et cetera, et cetera. None of that works anymore. None of that's relevant um, because everything, all these inverse correlations have blended in Coalesced until now, they're they're positively correlated, and Federal Reserve policy drives everything. There's not much difference, certainly not in um, principle, but not much difference even in degree at this point between the Federal Reserve and the supposedly capitalist free market economy of the United States and a more socialist or even communist regime economy like of the Soviet Union, because The Federal Reserve is pulling the levers, just like they would do in the Politburo of the uh, old Soviet Union, because the Federal Reserve is managing the prices of everything. There are no free price signals or or, uh, the price signals in the market have been very much restrained because the Federal Reserve sets the price of money. So you don't have a free market operating as it should.
1: The Gold Newsletter is proudly sponsored by Inventa Capital Corporation, a venture capital advisory firm dedicated to the acquisition and development of assets in the natural resource sector. Today, Inventa is one of the premier mining groups with a first rate portfolio of companies and a world class team. It breaks my heart because I really love the United States and I hate to see this, let's say, um, virus undermining uh, laissez faire capitalism. And as you note, the betas or correlations are getting have become closer and closer i mean i don't know if there are any any uh, you know assets you can have with negative betas now except some sort of synthetic items or some sort of options okay now not only have we we've been somewhat in the in the palm of the federal reserve right riding the federal reserve's wave this year there's been counterintuitively a difficult time for i wouldn't say difficult maybe that's too strong but not a good time for precious metals and mining. Why is that? Do you know? Help us read read what what is going on
0: there. Because it ha- there hasn't been a really good time this year for stocks in general or any other asset class, other than the dollar. Because as the Federal Reserve has gotten ahead of other central banks in interest rate policy, raising rates, then the dollar has strengthened against other uh, trade currencies. So it is the only thing that has really been going up. All of the other asset classes have been going down as the Fed has been tightening. And precious metals have, you know, ridden along that same train, been on board the same one, headed down the hill. Relatively, though, uh, gold is down about 10 percent on the year or less. Obviously, it varies. Not not much. Yeah, exactly. Not not down that much. Yeah, it's really held its its own. And about the only thing that, that has outperformed it has been the dollar index, if you're actually betting on that. Yeah. Now, all of that said, um, I've been noting uh, in recent weeks that uh, the correlation between uh, gold and stocks has been breaking down a bit and uh, becoming more less positive, uh, less correlated, uh, even for a very brief period, even negative, look negatively correlated. And that's only happened a couple of times over the since the Fed began raising rates in March. In those instances, it was times when gold was going down, and the stock market was briefly going up. But other than that, that correlation, that rolling twenty day correlation has been close to one or a near perfect perfect lockstep. Recently, over the last few weeks, that correlation has dropped significantly. And now, for a good reason, in that gold and silver have been rallying, while the stock, stock market has been faltering. So I think that perhaps the uh, the market may be sniffing out a scenario where in the new year, the Fed is for, forced to pause, eventually probably pivot and start uh, lowering rates again later in the year. But they're going to do this without truly killing off inflation. So we would have, in that scenario, an environment where you have high inflation, Relatively high inflation, not the eight or 9% we just saw, but maybe, you know, four or 5%, maybe 6%. So you have relatively high inflation. The Fed is not able to get inflation down to its 2% target. Um, and you have easier money policies from the Fed. So it's in effect the, the Fed admitting that it was powerless to really kill off inflation. That's an environment, I would argue, that is not bullish for stocks or bonds, because whatever your gains are in those markets, you've got to discount them by the rate of inflation, 4 or 5%, whatever it is at the time. But that environment would be bullish for precious metals. So you'd have an, uh, a central bank-driven uh, policy that for the first time, there's a dichotomy in the market. Bearish for stocks and bonds, bullish for precious metals. So if you got just a little bit, of that, you know, those oceans of liquidity that are dedicated towards stocks and bonds. If those allocations toward, toward precious metals are just shifted a fraction in the favor of precious metals, uh, prices in the latter would soar because it's su- just such an infinitesimally smaller market compared to stocks and bonds and everything else across the world.
1: Yeah, that that's, I mean, it's ominous as far as I'm concerned. I don't care who's in the Federal Reserve. He's going to have a hard time dealing with, the, let's just say, the political pressure to stop the bleeding. You might say that a lot of people are hurting, and uh, I just don't know how much metal there is in the Fed, and it's it's really putting a test to how political the Federal Reserve is. Of course, it's politically appointed, and I'm not sure what the Congress or the Executive will do. But at some point, I I just think that they're going to say we can't. We're going to have to some somewhat compromise on this inflation targeting.
0: Yeah, the the political uh, pressures will be immense, and the fiscal headwinds will be incredible, because the budget will essentially be buried under the cost of servicing the federal. government. at at, at, a, at a trillion dollars or more a year, it would be the single largest budget item, more than defense, more than uh, Medicare more than welfare, more than really any single item, you'd be paying on interest in the federal debt, and I think that AOC and Elizabeth Warren and the the, the squad in uh, Congress would would quickly grab onto that and say, why are we paying so much money to fat cat investors, to foreign investors, to China, you know, in in mortgaging our children's future? Uh, when we could be using that money for, you know, any sort of uh, redistribution schemes or giveaways. Uh, So I think that's part of the pressure. The other parts of the pressure will come from the stock market, uh, which is addicted to ever easier money. I think if uh, if the market continues to drop, that's going to create obvious pressure because the stock market, thanks to the Federal Reserve, has become the economy over the past few decades. I think if you look at uh, the fact that we're going to have a recession next year, uh, the inversion between the two and tens uh, treasury yields is as severe as it's more severe than it's ever been over the last uh, 40 years. So that is a, 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 a fail proof uh, measure of a recession coming up. Some point next year, we're going to have a fairly deep recession. Uh, that's more pressure on the Fed, and then there's the possibility that something's just going to break in the financial plumbing, i.e., the bond market. You know, rates have risen not just in degree but in rapidity. Uh, the this, the the slope of the ascent is uh, not just unprecedented, but it's about two to three times uh, more severe than it's than it's been on average in the history of the Federal Reserve. So it it really is. Uh, Surprising to me that nothing's broken so far. We haven't had a Lehman moment. I, I think that that's very likely to happen at some point. And of course, what do you think the Federal Reserve is going to do when when that happens? Well, that'll be the cover, or the excuse they need to get back involved,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Don't have to lower rates. It's what they always do. Yeah. So it's it's you've got the the political pressure, but also just as you say, the fiscal pressure that just the cost of the servicing will become so high as to be almost you know un- infeasible now let's look at some more rosy news perhaps one thing is that I really believe that in this environment the juniors which is, is of course what Golden news that are focuses on so much are incredible bargains and some of them uh, release news such that they can overcome even the downward you know the the the, the resc- rescinding tide the tide that's going out they can over- overcome that so, How optimistic are you that these
0: juniors can overcome that that tide? I don't know that the tide is going out, frankly. I think the tide's starting to come back in. And some of these juniors have already started to respond. There's still a lot of great values, even bargains out there. But particularly, you can see in some silver stocks, for instance, that they made tremendous gains. And traditionally, buying in, say, mid-December, Uh, early to mid-December has been a great time because the market starts to turn, but nobody's really paying attention. And then in the new year, you traditionally or uh, historically have a seasonal uh, positive period. It doesn't happen every year, but it happens quite often, and I would say most of the time. Uh, So if you buy at the lows in December, you can get, in some cases, a 10 or 20% jump in the market in these juniors. And we've seen some of these already... Uh, rise 10 or 20 percent in the past couple of weeks. Still, great bargains. The gains we've seen or the prices we have right now pale in comparison to what we can see really over just the first couple of months of the year. So there, there is really a couple of ways to play this. One is exploration stocks that can make news that would drive them. A number of companies fit into that category because companies at this point, if they can sit on news, they're sitting on it. And a lot of the news that because nobody's paying attention in the holidays, a lot of the news that traditionally would come out in September and October from summer drilling programs, uh, because of all of this the the, the delays and uh, that we've seen over the last couple of years in every aspect of the economy, but especially uh, drilling companies and assay labs, a lot of that news from the summer isn't coming out until January. So there's still a lot of news from a lot of companies that's coming out. So these companies that make Exploration News can, um, as you say, they can beat the falling tide or, you know, no matter what happens in the metals markets, they can advance. The other uh, sector I like in this kind of an environment are companies that have big resources that maybe have a PEA or other economics attached to them where you know what the value is that they've already discovered in the ground. And they may even be developing uh, a project those companies uh, can rise very quickly in an uh, uptrend in metals prices. So if we gain you know, 15 know, 20% on the gold price over the next couple of months, these companies could double or triple in value. What about
1: the prospect of mergers and acquisitions during this time? Should
0: we look at companies that we feel will be targeted? Yeah, well, on the exploration side, you're always looking for a company to – a junior to make a discovery that they then sell either the project or themselves to a major at a big gain. Um, so that's really where you look for the the upside in M&A. The, uh, uh, the sad fact of the matter is over the past couple of years in the M&A area of the metals mining market, a lot of it has been mergers of equals or close to mergers of equals where, you know, you're only talking a 10 or 15% shift in prices. From one uh, or the other, there have been very few big takeouts. Great Bear Resources was probably the the biggest one over the last few years, and that was a big winner. But then again, you know, it was just the last takeoff takeout doubled its price, but it had gone up, you know, twenty or thirty times in price before that over the preceding few years. Uh, really, it, you're looking for an ultimate takeout with these junior exploration companies. Uh, but you're also looking for a few big drill holes. So the bu- the the buying firms are not paying huge premium premiums, not yet, because they really haven't had to. But there are some companies or some projects that will, you know, uh, earn a bidding war because they deserve it. Um, but not a lot just yet. Uh, there's not that pressure yet on the gold companies to uh, to go out and and buy projects and buy juniors. And do you and does gold newsletter focus, let's
1: say, less on the producers just because they're already
0: getting so much attention and there's less upside? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We focus a lot on the uh, the juniors or the earlier stage development companies, with a few notable exceptions of companies where we really like the the upside, the, the growth curve, uh, where they may be actually producing gold. Um, but we, we tend to be more of the casino stocks, you know, down at the <laughs> lower the lower end of the food chain and uh, the ones that offer the potential to go up five, 10 times in price. Yeah. So
1: 2023, you're looking likely for as an easing back of the Federal Reserve, but also a continuation of inflation, uh, a recession to come. And so it is optimistic for mining stocks. Is there any other reason, let's say technological shock or geopolitical event
0: that would give you optimism? Uh, Not really. Not for the metals. Um, Don't invest in the metals for geopolitics. Uh, Any geopolitical driver of the metals is almost always very short-lived and and really it's nonsensical to begin with. The fact that there's a bomb dropping somewhere is not a reason for the price of gold to rise globally. the reason to invest in precious metals is because the purchasing power, the value of currencies, fiat currencies are dropping and seem to likely to drop at a much uh, higher rate and at an accelerating rate in the future. So when people really begin to worry about the the purchasing power of the currencies, then they run to gold. Um, and, and so it's con, It's not an inflation hedge. I like to call it a freak-out hedge. So when people really start to freak out about their currency and what the value of it next, what it's going to be worth next month, what it's going to buy next month or next week, that's when they buy gold. And, and I think we're entering a period, not just of a few months where that's going to be the case, but a few years where that's going to be the case. We're going to enter another cycle where this tightening period of uh, the Federal Reserve will be proven to be short-lived and ineffective, um, which is just the way it's always worked throughout human history. And until and unless fiat currencies are eventually attached to some standard, obviously gold, that restrains that human nature to overspend and and uh, and create debts and and depreciate the currency, then uh, you know we're going to be stuck in that loop and we're you know we're at one point in the cycle we're going to be at the next point in the cycle very shortly what about this energy transition
1: do is there any transition going on at golden user in terms of what you focus on or maybe not even transition but maybe a return to the need for uranium for example uh is your attention evolving yeah
0: it is you know very quickly uranium uh experienced a lot of help from the headlines with the uh, war in Ukraine and the uh, the issues of gas supplies and 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 the like. <clears throat> and uh, so it's it, it benefited from that, and it's come back a little bit in price. I think longer term, what this this episode is done is highlight the the long-term really undeniable and irresistible factors that will drive uranium prices much higher. So I like uranium. Uh, I've always liked copper, almost always liked copper. And I think, you know, we've got a lot of aspects uh, boosting copper in other base metals. When you look at it, the metals across the board, uh, base metals, commodities in general, and precious metals all have somewhat varying but still very powerful drivers toward higher values. Copper, it's electrification of everything, uh, not just uh, electrification of transportation, but the improvement or the upgrading of the electrical grid for all of the um, the greater power generation that will have to come for um, uh, to be able to power electric automobiles along with that that's going to involve a lot of other base metals like zinc uh, and then you have the energy metals like lithium um, that are also going to and cobalt that are also going to benefit so across the board there are a lot of opportunities there and in Golden newsletter we've always covered those opportunities and always have a few in our portfolio
1: right okay folks we've just had yeah, the 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 december issue out go to goldnewsletter.com and we also have we always have links uh in the archives or in in the in the show notes at goldnewsletter.com forward slash podcast if you want to get a free edition of the newsletter just to try it out otherwise brian any message direct to to the subscribers out there beyond what you've said in in the the newsletter?
0: Well, you know, all of our subscribers and followers really appreciate the support. We work very hard all year long, your team, my team, everybody works very hard to produce uh, some of the best product out there in terms of investment intelligence. Um, I would urge people very specifically to look into getting the audio video recordings of the New Orleans conference because you'll also get the transcript for free with that and that's extremely valuable. Uh, the information presented at this year's event I think was not only some of the best but uh, perhaps the most crucial in terms of timing because we are, we have uh, a new year that I think the the progress, I think the, the, it's very easy to prognosticate for the coming year. In terms of general direction it's the the fine-tuning it and the timing will always be the the trick as it were but i think we know that the federal reserve is going to have to pause and at some point pivot over the next year i think we know with high confidence that we're going to have an economic slowdown that bodes very well for precious metals tangible assets etc and as i mentioned before we're in the end game of a very long cycle of uh of ongoing currency or uh purchasing power depreciation and that will benefit the precious metals so i think we're going to have really a secular bull market in the metals for beginning over the next few years and uh, i think the next year in particular is going to be a, a really exciting period for those sectors so i urge everybody to really get involved now and uh, and and again you know listen to and read uh, what went on at the New Orleans Investment Conference because the value there is incredible.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, that last bit, uh, Brian. So we'll make sure we have a link to the recordings both below the YouTube or videos out there and in the show notes. So, folks, please do go to goldnewsletter.com goldnews- forward slash podcast or neworleansconference.com for the event details. So, Brian, it's always a privilege to work with you. You know I, I look up to your uh, years of experience and I'm glad to learn from you. Thanks, Mike.